SaaS Insiders. Today I have a privilege to talk to Stacy Allen. She's a masterful closer of deals and fundraising. But just like most non-technical founders, she encountered quite a few challenges when it comes to building her product, Reciprocit, along with other technology companies that she is a part of. And in this episode, she's sharing a lot of her lessons learned, a lot of her insight that might help you along your size journey. Take a look at this 15 second clip to get a taste of today's episode. I wish I had had, I wish I had had the foresight to say, you know what? I really need someone on my team that isn't going to build my software. I wish I had someone that can teach me everything I don't know about Agile um, and how to get an MVP without all that money and all that hassle and, you know, basically how to get it sold before it was built. I feel like every single non-technical founder has to listen to this episode. So let's get straight to it after this 30 second sponsor intro. This episode is sponsored by the SaaS Insiders Studio. We help SaaS founders build their minimum viable products, MVPs, launch quickly, find a product market fit, and grow from there. SaaS Insider Studio works with non-technical founders that are on the pre-seed or seed stage to help them execute on their product vision. To learn more, go to my LinkedIn profile that you can find in the description to this episode and shoot me a direct message there. All right, let's jump straight into today's episode. SaaS Insiders, I welcome you to this episode of our show. Today with me, I have Stacy Allen, the founder of Reciprocity. And today I will be talking and sharing with you her interesting story about how she got started with her business right now. What are the challenges that that, that Stacy experienced across her journey with this prosperity and kind of her background so you know and can can learn from her experience as well. But that said, Stacy, I welcome you to the show. Thank you, Vlad. We're, I'm, I'm just very happy to be here and happy to get to spend some time with you. Thanks for the invite. I know you're very passionate about reciprocity and your mission with this company. What brought you to, to this idea and how reciprocity started? Right. So reciprocity is a SaaS for workplace giving. So it's a fully automated, digitized solution that's an employee benefit. And what brought me to this space, nine years old, I lost my mother to breast cancer. And so it changed my life forever. And I was very, very lucky to have her for the nine years I had her in my life. She left a huge imprint on my, on me with, about philanthropy and doing well for others and always helping, you know, service, service to others. And that stuck in my mind and weighed heavy on my heart my whole life. And so not long after her death, I started raising money for, for cancer to find a cure, because as you can imagine, as a child, you, you can't make any sense of something like that happening. So that was the beginning of my passion for philanthropy, philanthropy and supporting nonprofits, because I had been taught that. There were the Christmas before my mother died, we sat on the floor in the living room and we wrapped 300 unwrapped 300 transistor radios, put batteries in them, wrapped them back up and sent them to Ethiopia because they were in a crisis and they had no communication. And these are the kind of things my mother did. And she always supported global hung hunger and children that were, I mean, it was just on and on. So that's part of who I am. And I'm 
really proud to live out my mother's legacy. So time passes and then, and I get into the workforce and I graduate college, I get into the workforce and I start seeing that there's something called a gift matching plan out there that some employers offer. Um, and so I had a few years as an executive in the top three bank space, and there was an amazing matching program there. And I participated and I raised thousands and thousands of dollars for the Susan G. Coleman Foundation. I was so proud to do that. So the matter, the problem was, the problem was that that particular, you know, company's plan, they only had 10 or 20 nonprofits that you could participate with that they would match to. And I was very lucky that my choice was one of those. And the other problem was 95% of the workforce, the non-executive workforce didn't even know about this benefit, which was really wrong. So that's really where it came. This has been probably 10 years ago. It came to my mind that we can do better. You know, I need to find, I got to fix this space. We need to modernize this benefit and we need to get tech on top of it, poured all over it because I'm not kidding. It was, it's still largely techless out there. So our competitors are awesome. They're in the big space. They're bringing the technology, but it's so late to the game. And so, you know, that inspired me to come up with reciprocity. And so here we are. And we, you know, we're very, we, we, we absolutely support the modern workforce and the values of the modern workforce. And we are completely tech and digitized and we're simple and we take all the work from the employer and we do it through our own API and our own, you know, our own automated technology. So we've really, really opened up the space now where small and medium-sized companies can, they can afford to participate now, you know, because we've removed all the barriers to entry and made it so simple and easy. And so that's, that's our story. And we're just really excited to be opening up this new funding stream for the nonprofits, 1.8 million nonprofits in the United States. It's a lot. There's a lot of help to be, you know, received out there. I really like those stories, Stacey, when the founder is driven by their passion that has been with them since, you know, their childhood, because when that happens, there's really little, really, really few things in the world that can stop a person, you know, from reaching that, that dream, that goal, because you just know this within your core, that's, that's what you want to do. So you'll find a way, one way to another. I'm curious when it comes. Yeah. Let's go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I always feel like my mother is, is right here with me and cheering me on and she's my partner in this experience and, and of course i know she's proud you know but yeah it propels me every day through the toughest of times because it's just so much a part of me yeah. one thing i'm wondering is knowing a lot of founders and consulting a lot of founders i know how it is when you just get started with your idea I, like i want to make this better just like you said right we see some gaps in the marketplace let's connect those uh, let's bridge those gaps how did you go about getting started with actually building your first product, your first MVP. How right. how did you manage to get that? Yeah, okay. Well, after I tell you a Cliff Notes version of kind of a funny story. So just the first, I had this idea. I was overcoming a major surgery, okay? And I was actually taking pain medication and I wasn't sleeping because I just had a complete refusion of my spine. I'm great now, by the way. But I was home finally from the hospital and everything. And I, and I was trying to sleep one night and I just couldn't, I was uncomfortable and I just was awake and this idea started coming to me and I didn't have the ability really to go get on my computer and start knocking it out. So I went in the office on the whiteboard and I just started writing all this down and it just was coming to me like, why isn't anyone taking gift matching and made it kind of more like a 401k, just that simple, like where's all the tech and where's, where's the inclusivity and anyway. So I got up and etched it all out. That was the beginning. 
And then for the next couple of months, I pondered it as I was healing. And a couple months later, you know, I was feeling much better. I didn't have to take pain medication and the journey began. So I did a lot of work first at kind of scoping out what I thought it needed to look like in the app and the portal. And I don't have coding or design experience. I'm just, I'm somebody that's leveraged technology my whole life. And I do it, had one other SaaS, you know, founder experience. But what, what I did then right after I kind of got it to the best place I get it was I definitely reached out for some consultants, but I ended up then putting out an RFP for the SRS, the software requirement specs document. And because that really is the key, you know, that for, that was the key to say, okay, can this all be built? Am I making stuff up that isn't possible? I need to really understand if this is right. So we contracted with Consegas, one of the top 10 FinTech uh, developers in the world. They're great out of India. They were amazing. And you know, took them a couple months and they produced really our skeleton, you know, our first kind of backbone skeleton of, of, yes, this can be built. Here's what it would look like. Then from there, and I still hadn't raised any money yet. Then from there, we went out, I've got about 200,000 of my own money in this. So that kind of got us, you know, out of the gate and a little ways down the road. Then we put out another RFP for the actual development. And that was a tough decision, but we ended up awarding that to a U.S. company, Launchpad Lab, and, you know, they've done an amazing job. And so over the months, we've all, you know, just continued to work together. The MVP got done last November, and now, now we've had the great fortune to become a Kiwi Tech portfolio company, and they have taken over our MVP, and they're an investor, and they're doing an amazing job. So they're out of New York and New Delhi, and we couldn't be happier. That is interesting. So basically you were working with two companies before you got your MVP into place. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. And I was fortunate to have, we have a very talented board chairman, Danny Winokur, who's a former Adobe executive and he's just an amazing mind and creative person. And he's very involved in much of the tech industry. I'll just leave it at that. You can always look him up, but you know, Danny's been a huge help for us too. He joined us about a year ago. And so He's been really great for us to, to review things. And he's taught me a lot, you know, because what we were doing in the interim, we're, we're in the process now of hiring a fractional CTO, but what mm -hmm. we had been doing was using like Launchpad Lab had CTO services and that worked out okay. But we're really to the point now, now that we're launching live and onboarding customers, it's really time for us to be very, I feel like very objective and make sure we've got our CTO capability really on, on this side of the house. You know what I'm saying? So right. there's kind of a separation of, so we can weigh out the really best, the best ideas for things going forward. I see. I see. How much time do you think it, it took you from the idea on the whiteboard till the MVP on the market and actually mm. having users? What, what kind of time frame? Yeah. In months, years kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah months, years. Yes. So it took a little over two years, but we had a pause. So we had a six month, very painful pause. And I say painful because... We ran out of funding. So I told you I had my funding in it. And then we had leveraged this huge stream. I say huge. It was $900,000 of funding. And it was leveraged with a revolving loan fund in rural Colorado. And then that triggered a $100,000 CDFI grant from another bank. And then, and then at the very beginning, I should have started over. We had a $300,000 investor. So the investor was going to fund, the revolving loan fund was going to fund and the CDFI grant was going to pay and life was going to be great. And we were going to go forward, except for none of that happened. <laughs> except for the investor left us at the altar the day of funding with very little 
explanation yet. It was completely a shock. Revolving loan fund didn't approve the loan. And so then we didn't get, you know, we didn't get the grant either. So big old strike one, you know, it felt like more than one strike. So it took me, honestly, as the founder, it took me about six months to retool from all that because it had come so easily, which goes back to, I guess, if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. So I just had, didn't have to work that hard to get that little stack of equity and debt piled up. And boy, was I surprised when I had to go back to the drawing board and find another way because it got really, really hard then. <laughs> so basically a bit over two years and six months of them were like a gap, like a pause that you made. So overall, yeah, I, was, I, was, I, had, a, you know, I had a meltdown every day. <laughs> I mean, I seriously, I was full, I was 18 hours a day in the funding space trying to get funding. I mean, what more can you do? Because you can't. The software's, you know, of course, the developers, they had to take a time out. I can't pay them. So, and I can't pay our marketing you know, team either. They're all contract. They were all kind of, you know, I, I got no money. So everything had to kind of just go on ice. And you know what, Vlad, in retrospect, mm -hmm. it really was one of the best things that happened to us because in that six month period, there came a technology, an API technology that really was gaining traction and was finally ready to use with Finch.com. So it's, it's HR API technology that's never been available this scale before, you know, they provide, they provide exactly what we need to handle all of the admin for the employer for 90% of the mid-level, small-level systems, anything that's in the cloud, they can, they can connect us with. So we pivoted then. So when we, when we woke up with money, then six months later, thank God we got funded again, by the way, we're almost entirely funded with angels. So it's amazing, except for. Our partner Kiwi Tech, and they are an angel <laughs> to me, even though they're a VC, but they're they're an angel to us. But when we, yeah, when we woke up, that technology was theirs. We pivoted, and you know, we ate a little bit of what we had already spent on the development. So it was kind of like you know, taking the hammer and just chopping that like 20 percent off, and saying, no, we're going a different route. And then we retooled to be able to use that API technology, which was not cheap. <laughs> it was very expensive, very, very. So it almost doubled the cost of our initial build, okay. but we knew it was the right thing to do because it really gave us that edge, you know, that simplicity tech edge on the admin side for the employers that we needed. So that no one has to kind of manually upload anything ever to us. So it was a beautiful thing that was painful to endure, but it's turned out good. That is interesting. Stacey, looking back, let's say if you could if you could go back and travel in time when you started okay. on the MV, but with this knowledge, what do you think are the things you would do differently? What are the kind of lessons you learned yourself? What yeah. would you like do differently two years well, ago? Well, Claude, I would have, this is honest truth that I'm not blowing smoke at you, but I would have reached out to someone like you to partner with me in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, I wish I had had, I wish I had had the foresight to say, you know what? I really need someone on my team that isn't going to build my software. I wish I had someone that can teach me everything I don't know about Agile um, and how to get an MVP without all that money and all that hassle and, you know, basically how to get it sold before it was built. I, if I do this over again, that's how I'll do it. I mean, honestly, I needed a lot on my team a mm -hmm. lot. Um, because as much as everyone in the, like the development space is well-intended and, you know, you believe everyone's well-intended and 
but it just doesn't always work out that way objectively where everyone's interests are you know equally kind of being heard and respected so we made some bad decisions relative to API commitments not the one I was just talking about but that you know at the advice of of our software developers and it turned out you know it was just not our, in our best interest and we've been able to work through those contracts and work through those situations but if I had had a lot on my team more so on team reciprocity not the developer saying no Stacy that's not the only credential management option out there. There's this and there's this, you know, they're not all public, you know, after that one, that's not the information, you know, we kind of got. So I've learned a lot. My expertise is definitely in finance. I mean, I've, I've been, I'm a CPA, you know, I've been in that space forever and, and it's in sales, you know, but it's not, I mean, I'm a user of tech, you know, and I'm a leverager and I'm a creative person, but God knows I can't do what gets done over there. So yeah, well, one, I'm currently working on a book that's called Founders Speak English, Developers Speak JavaScript. And it's about, <laughs> you know, and it's about how people just talk different languages to each other. One talk business side things, how to organize, yeah. how to launch, how to help users. Another one is yeah. thinking like APIs and how do we connect them? And this I is what the Twitch happens. Okay. And you're writing that book or you're I'm working? I'm, I'm working on it oh. now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You let me know when you need a reader. I'm your, I'm your person. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll send you some info. Saying something. Okay. okay, so okay, so you mentioned that basically you were looking for some kind of almost like advisor, or how would you describe the person you need like in the beginning to to get all this? Right, squirting? the person that that I wished I had partnered with on some level early on would have been a person that could, a person that's that's got developer experience and the oversight experience to really understand mm -hmm. everything behind the scenes other than just the coding, you know, it's one thing to keep the code on track and keep all that going, but the comprehensive decisions that you have to make all along the way, there's, there's numerous, you know, and with a platform like ours, we're heavily API integrated, you know, it would cost us $5 million to build it out without leveraging other people's technology. And as you know, in today's world, that's a stupid thing to do anyway. So, but I just wished I had had someone alongside really coaching me, coaching us, keeping us in, you know, in the green lane, the green light lane at a good, even pace. And I think in making good decisions about some of these things, and I think we would have had a less bumpy road. I see. I see. Okay. Okay. And That's probably a less expensive road. I mean, I think we maybe could have cut some costs. I don't know. <laughs> you know, our costs to develop now are, are a lot less than they were since we're, we're going overseas with some of it. And I'm proud of that because I just, you know, I believe in good for the whole world. And it's not like I, it was the first option, but why not? You know, I mean, we really needed to at this point. And it was, it's been very advantageous for us to have another very capable firm mm -hmm. review everything, you know, and then, and tweak it just a little bit more so that the MVP became an even stronger MVP. Well, I agree with you on that part, and not only because, like, I run my own team overseas that that builds SaaS for for my clients, but more so, it's it's just the efficiency, it's just the efficiency thing. So it's not so much about like when you are, you know, Fortune 500 company, you have the resources and you can bring all the people together in one place. I would do that, but before that, when you're a startup, when you know cash flow is a like bloodstream of of your business, and when you need to be really efficient about it, I mm -hmm. I, I don't see like much better options of just you know, hiring like uh, inside of your country, unless mm -hmm. that's like a huge requirement, let's say legally wise, maybe you're working right. with some super 
let's say sensitive data so maybe right. there are some protective mechanisms otherwise right i mean the whole world is open I, I agree i agree we are so pleased with the experience we're having with kiwi tech now you know since november i mean people have become my family and they're so dedicated we have an amazing team of four or five key people and a few more and you know we talk and all the time and we're, we're in touch every day and it'll be that way for a while because we got a lot to do you know we're building out as we launch our mvp we've already got three more you know pieces three more launches we want to do add-ons and but it's really neat to work with people who are passionate about what you're doing too and it shows so i just feel very lucky i feel like we're exactly where we should be with who we should be you know I mean, sometimes you need to wake up a bit early for the meetings, but oh yeah, oh, they're that, hilarious. Yeah, oh, this morning. I mean, they were just—they just went to bed. I'm like, you guys. Yeah, I'm always. I'm like, act like a mother. I'm like, you're up too late, and oh, we're not going to work late tonight. And then I get you know a message from them at one thirty or whatever. And but yeah, you know, they're very. Um, they're they never make me meet before eight o'clock in the morning, which I really appreciate. I would. I would. You know, I'd run from a freight train for them if I had to, because they're that important to me, but they really try to look out for me in time and, you know, they know how busy we are and, and you know how it is, you know, you're starting up and you wear, I'm wearing a lot of hats still, you know, we're just hiring our first employees. Now we've got a small sales workforce, you know, we've got a great marketing team and gosh, you know, obviously our developers and, but I, I have, I wear a lot of different hats and, you know, I'm going in a lot of different directions all the time. So they're very, they're very understanding and. You know, we just schedule time and make it happen. They're super reliable. Grateful. I'm grateful. Stacey, I'm curious, what's what's next for you and reciprocity? What's currently on your plate? What are the big plans for, for the company? Yeah. Okay. So we're a U.S. company and we don't have any plans at this point to go global. We get asked that question a lot. And at this point, we feel like we've got a lot of need to serve in the U.S. And so we're going to start there and stay very focused on making it a U.S. offering and, and you know, changing improving cultures, corporate cultures everywhere, both in the mid-market space, small space. And believe it or not, we're already starting to trickle up and attract some attention in the Fortune 500 space because their employers, big companies, big banks are starting to look at their offerings and saying, wow, this is what you have is so much easier. And it just seems like that could be better for us. And it could be. So anyway, we'll see. But right now, as of today, we have gift matching. It's all done through reoccurring payroll deduction. Very, very cool. Second quarter, we're adding a volunteer aspect, a volunteer offering to it called community. And so employers then can give all their employees credit, whether someone has the monetary means to donate, you know, out of their paycheck or they don't. And they just have time, which I was that girl for a lot of years. I was a young single mom just coming out of college. Again, you know, I had my mom's heart. You've heard about that. And if I didn't have any money, I mean, when I was in college, I was so poor. It's not even, we don't even want to talk about it, but I always gave. And that's a really important value to me that you feel that giving, whether you give up your time or your money, that you get the same feeling. You feel like you're doing something for the betterment of everyone else. And so anyway, so launching community is going to be a big deal for us. And then third quarter, we plan to launch humanity and humanity is our disaster relief offering. So gosh, right. It seems like every week, blah, there's something going on, you know, somewhere. And when we do disaster relief, it's really going to be up to the employers, how, how they want to do that and who they want to do that for. But that's kind of what's on the horizon for us for the rest of the year. We are already getting some interest from the foundation space, kind of the nonprofit foundation space. So right now we're a business to business model as we're coming out of our gates. But we may kind of morph a little bit for next year 
So a B2C kind of model in that foundation space. Specifically, I'm talking today about the foundation space in higher education. So at the university level. So more on that, you know, this year, but we may come up with a pilot in that space at the end of this year to start to help. We, of course, everybody, we believe in higher education and my alma mater is CMU here in Colorado. And uh, yeah, I'm so grateful for them, but it was actually a brilliant person there that gave us that idea. Like, hmm, this might be interesting. And, you know, maybe we'll pilot with you. Who knows? One thing is I noticed, Stacey, is your, you sound really experienced in building those relationships with investors, with people who can support the product and support the business financially. A lot of times I see founders struggle a lot when it comes to fundraising. A lot of times they might be good on execution, on finding teams, building those connections, but they might struggle with actually you know, getting investors interested in your vision and your product mm-hmm. and funding it. What do you think are your biggest, the biggest secret weapons, the biggest strengths that, that you use when you're fundraising? What do you think makes you successful yeah. at this? Well, I'll tell you, this is total transparency and honesty. I was terrified. Okay. So I've never fundraised before. Mm. Any other ventures, companies I've been involved in, SaaS one, we didn't fundraise. We had investors right off the bat. So it was, you know, we had the money before the the idea was even done or it was even born really. You know what I'm saying? So it was Mm. easy. And so I found the fundraising terrifying. So I just want to be honest, absolutely terrifying. But, you know, I just told myself every day, you don't have a choice. And it wasn't just that I'd already dumped $200,000 in it. Certainly having skin in the game does motivate a person, right? That's going to be a lot of money to lose. But it, again, it was just, you know, the passion of knowing this has to happen. We're going to, this is a fix for the space. You know, it's a great disruptive technology. We need it for the betterment of people. So that kept me going. But I found myself, you know, I did a lot of things weren't necessarily in my comfort zone. I, the hardest thing I think I've ever experienced is asking for money, you know, I led a sales team for years in, in, in the finance industry and, and, and I always told them, you have to ask for the business, you guys, you know, they don't, don't just be waiting around for the person that you're, you know, romancing out there to be our customer for them to say, oh, when can I, when can I have this product? When can I join? It will never happen. So I did have a lot of experience in sales. So I thought, well, it can't be that bad. It was hard. You know, it was just very, very hard. A lot of rejection. I, I tend to be a bit on the sensitive side, but trust me. This funding space has toughened me up more than more than I ever thought possible because I've never heard no thank you more times in my entire life, you know? Um, I mean, it's just hard. So most everything's a no and it's, you know, all the VCs, a lot of the space, you know, it's a, it's a similar message. Oh, we love what you're doing. We think it's great, but it's just not exactly what we're looking for right now. But when you start to have revenue, come back and talk to us. Well, we raised just over a million in pre-seed. And that got us completely through our product, you know, and all the legal and all the marketing and to really where we are almost right now. You know, we've raised about another 200,000 in seed. We have a 500,000 open seed round right now. So it's not huge, but, mm. and we've about 200,000 of that raised with angels and it's it's still open, but, but, it, you know, so the series A is on the horizon for late next year or the following year, if, if we need it, but, you know. Anyway, it's it's just hard. That was the reoccurring message is come back to us when you have revenue. I was like, well, I'd love to have that problem, <laughs> but I don't know when that's going to happen. You know, you do. But so, yeah, I, I became a LinkedIn addict, which I always had respect for the platform. But quite honestly, I've never been like a big user of it. I use it 
check people out when I'm hiring in my other career paths and stuff, and it's worked out well. But that's basically all I've used it for. But it's been a huge networking tool for me. And I've spent in the earlier days, I was spending a couple hours a day on there, you know, sourcing connections, getting people to talk to me, just, you know, just getting the word out and play it, kind of playing the game to get those relationships built because I couldn't figure out any other way to get them built. So it was just things like that, you know, and getting out to events once COVID, once COVID was over. And um, certainly it's certainly we've had many angelic people along the way take me us under their wing and introduce us to other people and that's been huge so you know my message I guess is just you just got to keep on doing it and one day you wake up and you realize you've got a really supportive network of great people around you and it's just from all that tenacity you know day to day of staying with it doing it telling your story again and again and again one thing I love that you mentioned that you had some sales experience before and a lot of times founders say like, well, I didn't, I don't have sales experience or fundraising experience. This is why it's hard, but you're right. showing by your example that you can even have that. You can lead the whole team. You can coach them how to ask for money. But when it comes to your own yeah. product, when it comes to you know, raising for yourself, it's kind of there. I think I feel like it hurts differently when you're asking for your own product and hearing injection yeah. instead of going for someone else, because I it's totally almost like you're not attached, attached to that. You no, know? but for yours, it's like, but it's yeah it's, there's a there's a real fear base in me with that i mean it was it was just beyond discomfort of you know maybe they'll tell me no but you have such an intricate intricate connection with your company at this level i do and i think most founders do because they're as passionate as i am and so it's really almost becomes a part of you and so you're you know, you just, I started kind of developing just this anxiety, this fear, you know, every VC I would talk to, I would, to be honest, I would just, I wasn't excited, you know, it was hard, but, and ironically, KiwiTech came to us. I didn't go to them. They were just a gift, you know, but as I stated, we, we ended up figuring out that what we were doing in social impact and social good just was not that attractive because we're not going to make billions of dollars. We're going to make millions of dollars. And then we're going to give 10% of our bottom line back to nonprofits. And then what's cool about our model is that's what we found started resonating with angel investors is people who really believe in a better tomorrow and they want to be part of it. Those are our people. Those are our funders. And they're almost all of our investors, our angel investors are millennials, almost all of them. You know, people who really care about creating this better tomorrow and these better cultures and a better humanity, you know, those are our people. And I'm just so grateful for them. So, you know, and they're happy to invest in a company that's going to make millions instead of billions. They're fine with that. So, you know, we just had to figure out, we reached a point where in the VC space, we just couldn't figure out how to get our message to resonate. So we really switched gears and kind of took a lot more of that effort and shifted it over to the angel space. And then, you know, for us, that's just, it's worked out well. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting, huh? We do have some very strong relationships on the VC side. Again, they're poised to help us with series A if we want to go series A, but they weren't willing to roll the dice earlier with us. And Hmm. I had to get those dice rolling. I'm real proud of how we've built it. You know, I've developed, I'm fortunate. I've developed a just really a lovely relationship with every single one of our angels. We have like 12 or 15 now. I feel very fortunate. You know, they all make they all make the world a better place already. So we're grateful. But it's just neat having their energy as our underpinning. It feels good. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Stacy, do you do you read books on on business and entrepreneurship? Oh yes, yes uh, I do. If you were to name maybe two to three titles that that impact mm-hmm. you the most, let's say in, in the past in the past couple of years, what mm-hmm. do you think those would be? Oh my gosh, Malcolm Gladwell wrote this book um, about oh the tipping point. So that's one of my very favorites because I just also the southern tipping point is one of my very very all time favorites. I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but I still think the seven habits of highly effective people is another one. I mean, I think there's so much truth in that. I also, though, am very vested in kind of the little bit of the spiritual world, you know, and and learning to do things better and easier so that our mental well-being is good. And I have in the last couple of years really shifted my reading to the, a lot of that as well and not as much, not all in the you know business stuff like I used to be. So there's a couple great things I've read there lately. There's a book I just read called Take Your Time. Um, and it's by a by a psychiatrist from, I believe, India. He's passed now. But, you know, I really wanted to stop having a hundred thoughts at the same time because it was, you know, it was really affecting me. You know, I just felt real anxious all the time. And I wasn't giving myself credit where credit was due because I had the other 99. And, and I'm really working on just slowing my mind. And giving myself permission to get this done and then go on to the next thing, get that done and go on to the next thing. So my big word for 2023 is self-compassion. And it's interesting that, you know, I've been under more stress in the last two years than I've ever had my whole life. I'll just, you know, with this company, because I, again, now I, and now I've got, you know, a million dollars of other people's money sitting on my shoulders and and it's right there. And, and I know it, and I'm thrilled and I'm not letting them down. So I just have it's kind of really made me realize that, hey, I gotta stay. The, I'm gonna stay the course, and I need to stay healthy and well too. And I gotta find a better way. So I've worked on this, some of this stuff. You know, stilling my mind, meditation, a few minutes a day. You know, 30 minutes of kind of dedicated time just for my well-being and and not work-related. And I have found that to be really, really helpful, beneficial for me. So tipping point, take your time. A- any other? recommendation gosh i'm trying to think i will stack in there i'm not good at remembering the titles um that's fine, um, it's fine. i just read another one yeah the, i just read another one this is one i, I read it this, you'll you'll appreciate this universal human by gary zukov and that i just finished that one and that is about you know it's really about humanity becoming more more sensitive to each other and more progressive in good ways relative to instead of just thinking of ourselves as five sensory humans more so as multi-sensory humans and for the, you know, doing things together on another level for the good of everyone. So that's how I would summarize it without getting too weird on you, but it was a fantastic read and it has something in there for everyone. I mean, I just love that. I'm currently reading Vivid Vision. Have you, so it's, it's basically a book that tells you how to, how to create your own vision for the, for your company. And how to cast it to you know to your employees, to your customers, how to basically make other people buy into into your plan, into your grand vision, so people can Perfect. can join you for it. So I think you are you're passionate enough as well, but having those like small frameworks, small yeah. mechanisms on how to put it in words that would make people, you know, understand yeah. clearly, I think mm-hmm. that, that that'll be very impactful for you as well. I can't even I mean I don't remember books, but I read and read and read before I ever went out for the RFP on the on the software spec requirement specs document. I mean, I had so much to learn about agile technology and pivoting and 
all that just to get, you know, make sure I had as much information that, as I could comprehend, digest. And oh my gosh, I spent three, four months reading day and night books, articles, everything. And, and it helped. I mean, to your point, you can learn anything you want now. I mean, right. You just have to do a few clicks and then take some time and read. And it's pretty amazing. It's, it's, it's always, it's always a balance between, you know, learning and implementing. A lot of people, yeah. you know, a lot of people are just like learning, you know, it's, it's, it's always needs to be a balance between like you shut the book and now you need to go and do some stuff that you just learned. So that's, that's the yeah. hard part. That. It is the hard part. That's where you come in. Yep. yep. <laughs> that's where the vlogs of the world come into this development <laughs> space and simplify it for people like Stacy, so that she can really, you know, create the, create the passionate project she wants to in the best way possible. Appreciate it. Stacy, uh, one thing is I'm curious if you were if you were to take just one big idea from from our talk today, one let's say if the person who's listening right now just heard one one big idea and that's the only thing they learned about this. What do you think is is the main is the main point is the main idea the main lesson that people would learn from our conversation? Right, um, tenacity. You know, as a founder and an owner of a business, really comes from your heart and to not to set yourself up for failure, but I think one is wise to understand that the road's going to be very, very steep and rocky, no matter what, to our point, our talking earlier, even if all you have all the funding you need, you move from one challenge to the next, and that's just the way it is. And as a founder and, and the owner, you are the last knot on the rope for every single thing. And so, you know, knowing that going in is great. But I would say, you know, my expectations were not in, in line with reality. And so that's why I'm kind of sharing that it was harder than I thought. It took longer than I thought. Everything's different than what you think it's going to be. And if you would have told this to me two years ago, I would no, not, not really. I mean, I've consulted with thousands of companies and businesses and blah, 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 blah. And it's not, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, planning is success and you just plan for your success. And no. Doesn't, no, doesn't work that way when you're creating something, especially something that no one else has created before, exactly like it. Everything's different. So I know that now and I'm better prepared for my next, you know, next project. Once reciprocity rolls, I got a couple more, couple more things, you know, up my sleeve that I'd like to do in this life in the coming years. So it's going to serve me well going forward. Beautiful, beautiful. Before we'll be wrapping our conversation what do you think is the best way for people to get in touch with you in case they want to support you, maybe learn from you to, to connect? Sure. Find me on LinkedIn. That's the easiest thing. Stacy Allen, S-T-A-C-I-E-A-L-L-Y-N. That's the easiest place. And I'm told you, I kind of am a groupie on LinkedIn these days. So I'm, I'm, I'm on there every day. I would love to. I would love to talk with anyone that is interested. Sassan Sadius will put a link in the description to this episode just so you can quickly access and connect with Stacy. Stacy, what would be the last thoughts for, for our episode today? How would you like to, to conclude it? Well, thank you, ma'am. I'm so grateful. Getting traction, early traction is, is very difficult. And so a lot of people like you who graciously offer to spend time with us to find out more about what we're doing and, and give us this exposure really, really helps a lot with continuing that, that traction, you know, that ascension of traction. So much, much appreciated. And I have always, as you know, been one to give back. And if there's anyone, you know, in your audience or, or anything that I can help in any way, I'm always there to do that. I definitely have a lot of, you know, give and receive type relationships out there. So 
I too, I'm here to here to give back to anyone that needs it that I could possibly help. Thank you. Stacey, Ellen, everyone. Stacey, I thank you so much for joining me for this episode today. Thank you, Vlad. It was my pleasure. Okay. I'll be SAS Insiders, we'll see you in the next episodes. Mm -hmm.